Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Like the shepherds in that day, we now come to adore him and praise his name forever. Christ the Lord, who came to earth so that we would know how deep and wide the Father's love is for us. We worship Emmanuel, God with us. Humbly, he came to save each and every one of us. And now we can love, because he first loved us. And this love and salvation sets us free. He has come, so let us go into all the world and share this joyous news. Amen! Amen! Merry Christmas! Let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's give the Lord Jesus a big hand. Amen! Amen! Merry, Merry... Everyone say Merry Christmas. What's up? What's up? Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Hey, say hello to Merry Christmas to someone next to you in all our campuses, wherever you are. Just say Merry Christmas to someone next to you. Amen. We want to welcome everybody. My name is Miles. Welcome to The Rock. And Christmas is tomorrow. And all the little kids in here. How many little kids we got in here? All the little kids scream. Well, listen, I have, a, I have a little surprise for you. I have a, I have a guest. We always pray at the beginning. And I, well, first, let me welcome all the campuses. Everyone say San Isidro. San Isidro. Say City Heights. City Heights. This is City Heights' first Christmas with us. God bless y'all, Chris. City Heights. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Everyone say oh, East County. East County. Say uh, North County. County. Say Point Loma. Point Loma. So we have five campuses. Let's give all of them a big hand. God bless y'all. God bless you. And all the microsites and all the people watching online, God bless you. Especially people in the military watching around the world, God bless you. And Merry Christmas to all the people in the military, God bless you. Amen. Uh, I have a, a guest, I had a guest um, a prayer partner for our opening prayer, but he had to go to bed. So I have a video. So check out the video. What's up, Rock Church? Merry Christmas. My grandson and I want to pray all the campuses that God would bless us this Christmas day. So let's pray, MJ. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for our church. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be born of Mary, to live and die for our sin and rise from the dead. And we pray your blessing on all our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. If, if, as my grandson, if you have a little kid with you, put your hand on their head. Let's pray for all the little kids right now. Your husband doesn't count. 
He may be 50, but he's really like six. <laughs> Lord, we pray for all the little kids. We pray you bless them. We pray your Holy Spirit would rest upon them and guide them at a young age and they will be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit every day and that you will protect them from the evil one, draw them close to you, surround them with godly kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Let's see your Bibles on three. Let's say word on three. One, two, three, say word. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. All of you have been given a bulletin. In your bulletin there is a lesson plan. It should be a blank piece of paper. And on that lesson plan and in your bulletin, you will see a number that says text SAVED to 52525 if you would like to receive Christ is your Savior. At any time during the service, at the end of the service, when you're in the parking lot, when you leave, Wednesday, if you feel like, you know what, I want to give my life to Christ, you can pray that prayer. I'm also lead you in that prayer at the end of the service. And then you text us. We want to know and follow up with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You could text that number and you will get a response right away of follow-up material for you and then we will also follow up with you. Amen? So anytime during the service, including at the end of the service, if you pray that prayer, we're going to ask you to text that number so we can follow up with you. Um, for all of you who have killed children, matter of fact, how many of you have had a child in your life? Some of you are like. <laughs> how many of you have never had a child? Okay, enjoy your sleep <laughs> and your money and your sanity and the ability to do your hair. <laughs> my, wife, my wife and I look at pictures of when we had kids and she didn't comb her hair for like 10 years. Because <laughs> we, had, we had kids like, 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 like th three kids with like in four years. My mother, had, my mother had five kids within six years. She didn't comb her hair for like 20 years. When you have a kid, the reason you have a child is to love that child. The reason God made people is so he can love people. He did not create people so we can go to church. He didn't create people so you can read a Bible. He didn't create people so you can worship him. All that is part of it, but he created you to have a relationship with you. Just like you have babies to have relationships with them that you would love them and care for them, protect them, provide for them, and eventually send them out of the house. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? So if you're still in the house and you're over 18 years and one day, you need to get out. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Amen. <laughs> but the reason God created people is so he can love us and have a relationship with us. But because we're sinners, we constantly tell God by our attitude, our actions, our non-actions, that we don't want to have the relationship with you that you want to have with us. We want you to be our good luck charm. We want you to do what we want. And we want to have a relationship with you on our terms. God says, I don't want a relationship like that. I only want a relationship where I am your number one lover. 
on the main thing in your heart, the main focus of your heart. But because we're sinners, we push God away and we create our own kind of relationship. So God looked on the earth and saw mankind who was pushing God away, pushing God away, rationalizing our own way. I want to do what I want to do. I have my own rights. I have my own mind. This is who I am. All that's not good enough for God. God created you. He knows who you, he created you to be. He didn't create you to create your own self. He created you for himself. So we push him away, we push him away. And in our own sinfulness, we don't even know how far away we are from God. The Bible says that the penalty of our selfishness is death. Physical death and spiritual death. Because sin is a spiritual offense, spiritual death is separation from God in eternity. The Bible calls it hell. But God didn't want us to be hopeless without an opportunity to have our sin forgiven, removed, so we can have that relationship with him that he created us to have. So he sent his son Jesus because in order to pay for your sin, in order to pay for my sin, someone, a human, has to die. The penalty of sin is death. So you can die and pay for your sin yourself or God sent his son to live as a man, a human. 33 years, never sinned, and then he died in our place. And if you say to God, God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that Jesus, your son, sent, was sent to die for me. I surrender my life to him. You can now have the relationship with God that he created you to have. There is no other way you are going to have that relationship. Money, sex, drugs, all the stuff you do and that we do with our own self to try to fill that void will never replace the relationship God created us to have. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about the entrance into the world of Jesus, his son, to give us hope to have a relationship. Jesus lived an incredible life, 33 years. He never sinned. He walked on water, healed the mute, the blind, the deaf, raised the dead, cast out demons, spoke to the weather, did supernatural things. Then he died and rose from the dead, which was the most miraculous thing he ever did. Walked around for 40 days after he rose from the dead. People touched him. They spoke with him. They ate with him. And then he ascended into heaven. And he had an incredibly miraculous life. But if he had such an incredible miraculous life and had such an eternal and amazing purpose, I got to believe he had an incredible miraculous entrance into the world or an incredible birth. There had to be something really dangness about his birth. You know when you say, oh, dang? Everyone say, oh, dang. There had to be some oh-dangness about his birth. Because if his life was oh-dang, his birth had to be oh-dang. And so we're going to look at six oh-dangnessnessness characteristics of his birth. Amen? Amen. Number one is that his birth was predicted in a dream. It was announced in a dream. Let's read chapter 1, verse 18. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. As Mary, as his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. God used a dream to announce Jesus' birth. When you sleep at night, you go through a period called REM cycle. REM cycle is R-E-M, rapid eye movement. And during your rapid eye movement, 
You are experiencing dreams. You are seeing things. You are experiencing motions, uh, sounds. You can move or have the sensation of moving. And even though you are asleep, the activity in your brain is almost the same as when you are awake. And all through the Bible, God communicates and has communicated to people through dreams. I had a dream last night that I still remember where I was dividing up some money, the three of us, I don't know what we did. I kind of think it was something illegal, but it was a dream, so I'm good. <laughs> I was telling my wife, I was, I was dividing money. I don't know where we got it, but I, and, and I woke up looking around my room hoping there was some truth to that dream, but it wasn't. But in your dream, you can have these sensations of sound and, and visual and emotions. And the activity in your brain can be almost as high as when you are awake. You're not dead to, dead to the world. Your brain is still very active. You're just experiencing things in a different realm. God spoke to people in the Bible through dreams. He told Joseph in a dream, you are going to rule over your family. Joseph, that, that got Joseph sold into slavery and then he went to prison. In prison, Two prisoners had two separate dreams about their life that Joseph interpreted, and they both came true. Joseph ended up working for Pharaoh because Pharaoh had a dream that he couldn't understand, and Joseph interpreted that dream. All through the Bible, God speaks to people in dreams and gives them messages about something that actually comes true. I'm not saying all your dreams come true. Matter of fact, most of your dreams are probably not going to come true. I have a dream I'm going to be a millionaire, marry someone. No, probably not going to happen. I can't say that. But however, in the Bible, God does that. And he tells Joseph, as Joseph is laying in his bed, his engaged bride is pregnant. And he's thinking, I got to divorce this woman because she slept with somebody. A logical conclusion. He's laying in his bed thinking, how am I going to do this without shaming her, even though she shamed herself? And an angel comes into his dream while he's asleep. Saying, Joseph, he's like, what? I'm going to get rid of this woman. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And the angel said, Joe, don't divorce her. She's pregnant by God. And Joseph's like, hey, oh, this is a dream. This is a nightmare. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Because how is Joseph going to explain this? God communicated to him in a dream. When you get pregnant, you go to the doctor. They do a sonogram. And they tell you you're going to have a boy. You're going to have a girl. You don't want to know what you're going to have. You want to wait till the baby comes out. You don't have an angel come and tell you, let me tell you this baby story. That's what God did with Jesus. He told him in a dream. Look at the next one. God used angels to announce the birth of Jesus. Matthew 1.20. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Angels were messengers of God. Literally, they are servants of God and they bring messages. By the way, there's, there's fighting angels. Michael was head of the fighting angels. One angel killed 186,000 soldiers in one night. That's a bad brother right there. And then they were announcing angels. Gabriel was an announcing angel that would tell stories or interpret things. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the fiery furnace, the angel of the Lord was in the, in the fire. When Daniel went in the lion's den, an angel went and closed the lion's mouths. When the Israelites were walking through the wilderness, an angel guided them through the wilderness 40 years. 
Angels were messengers of God and they were sent to do things for God. Some angels manifest as wind or fire. And this angel came into Joseph's dream. He's sleeping and instead of seeing his friends, his relatives, his uncles, his kids, or oh, he didn't have kids at the time, his brothers and sisters or whatever, he sees this angel. And the angel comes, <laughs> I don't know how this happened, comes into his dream and says, Joseph, that baby is from God. Do you think your birth was announced that way? I don't think so. Jesus, the son of God, was prepared by an angel. Number three, Mary's pregnancy defied biology. Everyone say biology. Because it takes two to tango. <laughs> Matthew 1 verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take your wife Mary. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. We all know you can't get pregnant unless you do something. Your daughter comes home and says, Dad, I don't know what happened. Oh, no, I know what happened. Can I get amen? That's the only way it can happen. Except with God. It is very reasonable for Joseph to say, you cheated. You did something. And there's nothing you can tell me. She's like, I, I was never with anybody. Yes, you were. In the court of law, you are guilty as charged unless God intervenes and explains that he's the one who superseded the biological process. Only God can do that. In the Bible, there were many women who couldn't have babies. Sarah couldn't have a baby until she was 90 years old. Abraham was 100. Imagine Abraham was 99. God said, Abraham, you have a baby next year. Abraham said, brother, I, that ain't happening because <laughs> we ain't been down that road in about four decades, okay? <laughs> and Sarah, she's all, she's all crusted up. She's hearing this conversation going. <laughs> she fell on the floor laughing. She's like, ha, ha, hey, angel of the Lord, I don't know what you're talking about, but that ain't happening. Boom, she had a baby at 90. It's, it's hilarious. I, I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> kind of like, you know, in the middle process. Uh, Samson's mother, Samson's, Samson's mother couldn't have a baby. And the angel of the Lord spoke and she was going to, and, and all of a sudden her womb was open. Rachel could not have a baby. Her womb was opened by God and she had Joseph. Hannah could not have a baby and she told God, God, if you give me a boy, I will surrender him to you. She had a baby. I don't know any magic formula to, get you pregnant for all of you ladies who are trying to have a baby, except to pray for you. I got to believe there are a lot of ladies out there who are trying to have a baby. I want to pray for you right now. So I want to all bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, there is a woman, or more than one, in one of our campuses, in all our campuses, online. They've been trying to have a baby. They're trying to get medical help, which is great. They've been practicing, which is great. 
but we pray that you would touch them and that you would open their womb like you did Sarah and Rachel and Hannah and Samson's mother, that you would open their womb and you would bless their relationship with their husband. And we pray that they would give you glory and the doctor would say, we have no idea how this happened. And they would give Jesus all the glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. God said, I'm going to bring life into this world through your womb, even though you have not been with a man. God can give you life just like that. Spiritual life, just like that. Has nothing to do with your money. Has nothing to do with your education. Has nothing to do with your experience. Has nothing to do with who you know. And it has nothing to do with how good or bad you've been. You confess Christ as your Savior, he gives you life. Because he is the giver of life. He is the author of life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Prophecy. Jesus' birth was prophesied hundreds of years, even thousands of years before he was born. Look at verse 22. Matthew 1. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through a prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. A prophet is someone who pronounces something from God under the inspiration of God. Not necessarily, necessarily someone that says this is going to happen on this particular day, but thus saith the Lord. And often thus saith the Lord had to do with something that was going to happen if you did this or didn't do that. Or proclaiming something God was going to do. Isaiah proclaimed that one day a virgin was going to be with the son. And this angel is saying to Joseph, Joseph, you know that verse. I'm telling you, this is the fulfillment of that verse. When you, how you know a prophet is a real prophet is that what the prophet says actually comes true. If a prophet claims to be from God and says, thus saith the Lord and doesn't happen, he wasn't from God because God does not lie. And what this angel is saying is that I have come from God, Joseph. And I am telling you, your wife, your wife-to-be is pregnant by God. You don't have to worry. She has not cheated on you. She has not committed infidelity, been in infidelity. She's not been with another man. I'm telling you that baby in her womb is from God. And I'm telling you that baby in, your, in that womb was prophesied 700 years ago by Isaiah. This is the baby Isaiah was talking about. This is the baby the Bible's been talking about. I don't know if the Bible, the angel has said that about you. I know the angel has said this about Jesus. Preparing Jesus' entry into the world. That we would all be crystal clear that this was not some random baby born that grew up to understand who God was later on. That we know from the very beginning God ordained this Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number five, Jesus' name defined his purpose. Verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name. Everyone say, Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sin. If you look up the, the definition of a name in Webster's Dictionary, it will tell you that a name is a way you describe or define someone. You call someone that. That's Jim. That's John. That's, that's Jose. That's Lucretia. Whatever. I'm trying to, you know, be all-inclusive. Mr. Wong, my, my, my great, no, my grandmother's father, my grandmother's father 
His name was Mr. Wong. He was from China. No, no lie. He was from China. His name was Mr. Wong. He came to Jamaica, got jungle fever. <laughs> I might need to interpret. How many of y'all don't know what jungle fever is? Just raise your hand. You never heard that term, jungle fever? Jungle fever is... <laughs> I didn't didn't explain it. (laughs) It's when someone who's not brown sees someone who's brown and has a thing for them. Okay, so he came from China, Mr. Wong, and saw this black lady and said, I like her, and they had a baby. That's my grandmother. Her name is Mr. Wong. My grandmother's half Chinese. That's me. I'm Wonged. I'm Wonged. A name is how people know you. In the Hebrew culture, your name was symbolic of your purpose. It was symbolic of who you were, a revelation about your life. The angel said to Joseph, his name is Jesus. But he said more than that, his purpose is Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. That's his name. That's his purpose. That's who he's going to be. Think about it. Joseph is sleeping and this angel is telling him your wife is pregnant by God. God is bringing this baby into the world. This baby was prophesied by God 700 years ago because God who is eternal told that prophet 700 years ago to talk about this day. That baby's name and identity and purpose is to save the world of their sin. This is the angel talking to Joseph why Jesus in the womb. I would say this is Odan. And I would say Joseph woke up going, oh, dang, that is an amazing baby. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the penalty of sin is death. That the only way you can pay for your sin or that your sin could be paid for is if you die or someone dies who is sinless for your sin. The only way you can pay for your sin is to suffer in hell eternally because you are and we are sinful. But Jesus came, never sinned, died in our place once and for all. And this is what the message Joseph is getting, is that this pregnancy is is the, the first step of the salvation of the world. This kid is a big deal. He's a big deal. He is going to follow me and never sin. He's going to follow the Father and never sin. His name, his purpose, his identity is Yahweh saves. And so he came, he was born for that very purpose. He was not born to live, he was born to die. 33 years later, they crucified him for your sin and my sin, giving us an opportunity to be forgiven and have a relationship with the Father. One more. God used the star to announce Jesus' birth. He not only used an angel, he not only communicated in the dream, he not only defied biology, he not only filled prophecy, but he used a star. In Genesis chapter chapter 1, verse 14, God says he put the stars in the sky for seasons, signs, and and signs. That there will be signs in the stars. As a matter of fact, uh, I know a lot of y'all probably look at your zodiac in the newspaper let me tell you, the Zodiac is not there to tell you about your life. The Zodiac are 12 pictures that represent 12 
stages of the gospel. Huh? <laughs> what you read about in the paper is, the, is Satan's perversion of the gospel. Trying to get you to worship the created thing versus get a message that the creator put in the thing. They're there for signs and seasons. It says in chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. And by the way, some of you might be thinking, does that mean I shouldn't read my Zodiac? No, you shouldn't read it. Well, it, it makes sense. Well, if I could write a newspaper today, you're going to have a special moment. You'll find that special moment. A bird will fly by and say, there it is, a special moment. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> Don't look to the created thing for your purpose. Look to the creator of the thing for your purpose. Verse 1, chapter 2, after, this, Jesus, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, Magi from east, came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, saying, where is the Christ to be born? In other words, King Herod, who heard about another king threatening him, he got all the religious leaders together and said, is there any validity to this story that a king is going to be born in Jerusalem? Is there anything in the scriptures about that? And they said, oh, dang, there is. Verse 6, the prophet Hosea 725 years before this date. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Jesus' birth was predicted by an angel, communicated in a dream. His purpose was given to him through his name. His birth through a virgin was prophesied. The place of his birth was prophesied. His birth, his, the pregnancy of his mother defied biology. And all these things are not coincidental, but they actually happen just like the angel said, just like the prophet predicted, just like the Bible reads. And all for the purpose that you and I would have an opportunity to say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Not so we can go to a church. And so here we are, Christmas 2015. And God wants to know, will you take advantage of this incredible birth? It's not about buying gifts. It's not about a tree. not about presents. It's about a relationship. It's about asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin. Come live in your heart and be your Savior. In a minute, we're going to take communion. And we take communion, we acknowledge that not only was this baby born, but this baby died. But before we take communion, it is very important that you ask Christ to be your Savior because what you don't want to do is tell God, God, I acknowledge that you died on the cross. I acknowledge that you shed your blood through taking communion. However, I reject you. You do not want to do that. You want to make sure that you ask Christ to be your Savior before you take communion. And if you say, I don't want Christ as my Savior, I would tell you, do not take communion. Because you further condemn yourself by saying, I understand the gospel and I reject it. You'd be better off to say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. And so in a minute, we're going to pray. And you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin.
Come live in my heart and be my Savior and my Lord. And then we will take communion. So I'm going to ask all of you to bow your heads and all the campuses, bow your heads and close your eyes. If God spoke to you during that sermon and you feel like you want to ask Christ to be your Savior, it's as simple as A, B, C. One, admit and accept that you are a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and he died for your sin and rose from the dead. And then confess yourself as a sinner and say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. So if you would like to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I just want you to just look at me right now and pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart, knowing that God knows you and loves you very much. Say, Dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I know the penalty of my sin is death. And I don't want to die and go to hell. But I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead for my sin. And I confess myself a sinner and ask him to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin and fill me with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you just asked Christ to be your Savior, we want to know, and we want to email you some resources. So if you just prayed that prayer with me to accept Jesus as your Savior, click on the link that just appeared, and we want to send you some free resources. God bless you, and we'll see you in heaven.